You don't know what you have until it's gone. Through loss, I, Kimberly, host of Self Love Sister Podcast, am learning to live. From the age of eight, I suffered from multiple autoimmune diseases which took my capacity to walk and even to speak. As these abilities gradually returned, I found a deep gratitude for this delicate and wonderful life. The fact that I may suffer a relapse at any time pushes me to appreciate all the more the wonder of living here and now. Through sharing my experiences and through interviewing others, I invite listeners to experience their own gratitude for life. This podcast is sponsored by The Podcast Farm. If you want help starting or growing your show, please click the link in the show notes.
Welcome to the Self Love Sister Podcast. Today I'm joined with Marlene. Hi, good morning. Good, good afternoon, afternoon for me. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you for having me today. It is a uh, just a blessing. I love to be in your space. You are amazing. Thank you so much. We've actually done an Instagram live. So if you would like to go check out that, my Instagram is strong self-love. So I'm Marilyn Gomez. I have Marilyn Gomez Wellness as well as Marilyn E. Gomez. Those are my two handles on. But yes, I am definitely excited to be here. Um, We have done our live before and just really promoting self-love, lifting up our community. I know that's both, that we are both in that realm and that's space to just pay it forward everything that we've learned and know and so I'm excited to be here exactly her and myself were diagnosed with autoimmune disease at a very young age so I was 12 I was diagnosed with Raynaud's and scleroderma what was your diagnosis so for me I was nine years old and I actually went uh undiagnosed or misdiagnosed for over two years but nine years old is when um I had my onset of those initial symptoms. So from nine years old, it was juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, It took a couple of years before they finally were able to pinpoint arthritis in a child. They were looking for cancer and leukemia. I was doing all these bone marrow aspirations. They were looking for just everything, lupus. They thought I had all of these different ones, but it wasn't. At the end, it was juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and it quickly began to take over my body. It started in my right knee, and it was just a simple turn in the middle of the night. You know, when we go to shift and we lift our leg up, and I just couldn't even lift my leg. It was excruciating pain out of nowhere that just came on one night, and that led us to the emergency room, and from that point on, it was the right knee, the right ankle, then it moved to the left and the left ankle. And then it started moving up the body. And within that two year period of them not knowing what was happening, they didn't know how to treat it. So they're masking all the symptoms or they're giving all the pain medications to help me get through. But man, it was really challenging. And from two years of the excruciating pain and not really getting to the root of the issue, I was in a wheelchair because my hip locked and I couldn't stand up. I couldn't walk. And that, that lasted a very long time. Gosh, I can imagine with a lot of autoimmune disease, it's very hard to diagnose. I remember for me, I was diagnosed at eight with juvenile arthritis and I was on the wrong medication for four years until they formally diagnosed me with scleroderma and Raynaud's because I was so young. And I think a lot of our symptoms are like tough joints. That's so dangerous for a child, especially, um, you know, at that age, you're taking your mom with you and you don't want to explain or you don't want to sound wrong in front of an adult. That was my experience. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was so scary. So I came from a single parent household. Um, so my mom was overwhelmed just to say the least, our whole family, we started to come together because I was pulled out of school for me, tough joints. I, I don't remember the specifics, but I just know I was living in that hospital like two weeks at a time. And then I'd come home for maybe a week before another crazy flare up would happen. And then I'd be right back in for more testing, pulled out of school, all of those, those things that start to, to really affect what we think we can or cannot do. Those limiting beliefs started to really stack on. 
when you're feeling your life is starting to unravel. And yeah, that started to happen day by day. It was actually two years into the disease where I finally went to Stanford Children's Hospital and they were the ones, a whole medical team of doctors. I remember this because I remember laying on the bed and there were all of these doctors surrounding me and they finally were able to pinpoint it's, it's juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And so that, that was it. That was a, uh, there we go. And then went into all the medications on how we were going to move forward. Oh my gosh. I know it was so hard for me to school with this disease because of all the medications. And yeah. like, I realize now I'm like, oh my God, I was a child. How did I still manage to do the sports and do everything? My, because my parents raised me in a way where they didn't like they didn't tell me the extent of my disease because they wanted me to be a child. They didn't let me research anything. They would just give me the medication and just tell me to be warm and that was it. And honestly, I'm so happy because of that. I was able to do cheerleading and play the violin. I had a normal childhood. I didn't realize <laughs> until now, 24. Oh my gosh, how did I have so much energy? I get super tired and I have to take a nap throughout the day. If not, I, I won't make it past seven. Oh, I feel, <laughs> I feel you there. So my is mine was a little different. Definitely. I couldn't do many of the things I wanted to like the running was so hard on my joints. I wanted to do cheerleading. Oh my God. That was like, cause my older sister was a cheerleader. Uh -huh. I wanted to do cheerleading. That was like one of my aspirations in that time, but I couldn't, um, I just couldn't jump and run. And my body just wasn't functioning in the ways that, um, it had work to keep up with a whole cheerleading schedule for sure. Um, but I danced, I really love dance. I really danced and contemporary dance and just the e to emote, whatever I was feeling seemed to just help me. It made me feel good. Made me feel like I was still a part of a team in some way. So I was able to slowly dance uh, not all the time because my body was going up and down as they were trying to find out the correct medications or the form, the, the combination of medications, I should say, that would work for me. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I, many. Yes. I remember kids in school would make fun of me and say that I was a drug dealer <laughs> because I, I, you know, cause inside my lunchbox, my mom would pack. I mean, obviously she talked to the school and everything. Right. But she would pack like a little Ziploc bag with all my pills. And I was like, oh my gosh, mom, like I was <laughs> so embarrassed. And I got to a point where I was scared to tell people I was sick just because I got that reaction. I would be like, no, it's, they're my vitamins. <laughs> oh man. When you say that scared to tell people you were sick, I, for the longest time, I didn't want to be judged. Nobody knew what I was dealing with besides my family, of course, because they were the ones carrying me from room yeah. to room or they're watching me because my mom had to work, you know, so I had to stay home with somebody. They knew that part, but nobody really, none of my friends, I wasn't, it wasn't something I was open about. We moved a lot. So I really didn't have solid friendships that I was opening up to anyways, because we were just all over the place. But that was also like, it's like one of my biggest, um, it really held me down for such a long time, not being able to open up and share my story, which I know today is a huge part of my healing journey. It's a huge part of me feeling better today. Um, being able to be open and vulnerable and a part of a community that understands, you know, that today is everything. And I, I'm so happy I'm in this space now, but that was huge back in the day. I didn't 
I didn't open up. I didn't want anybody to really know. I didn't want to feel like I was a burden on anybody. Right. And and also, but I also didn't want the pity. I didn't want them to, you know, feel sorry for me. And so, yeah, I I held it inside for a long time. Yeah. That's when I realized too, I was like self-love. So my sister was modeling in 2019. She was in a pageant. And she had one. So she was always going to these events. My mom wanted to leave me alone, but at the same time, didn't want to leave her alone because she was 19. And she knew in that industry, moms have to watch because, you know, the girls are so busy or anything. And so I was like, I remember I was going to be home alone for an hour because my dad was coming back to work. He's done mariachi, so he works like throughout the night. (laughs) Nice. I remember I said, no, you know, I'll be home for an hour. I'll just be laying down. You know, you don't worry about myself. And I remember that I woke up that morning and because I was able to allow myself one hour alone and feeling independent, I remember I woke up and I said, you know what? Like I was given a second chance at life. I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm 21. And then I started telling everyone what I have. I don't care, obviously, how I look like based on my social media. I mean, I I share everything. And at the same time, I'm just like, you know what? You have to, and you should have done this a long time ago because yes. I wanted to look up someone with scleroderma. Not immune disease was not known 10 years ago, like right? it is now. Yeah, it wasn't known. Like, so if I've, I've had it for 30, like I'm already 40. So I turned 40 and I was like, man, just, I feel so, so much healthier today than I ever had only because of the practices I keep consistent now, you know, like sharing with beautiful people like yourself, those that have been along a certain, a similar journey. It's totally awakened my soul, my heart, my forward motion to just keep going because more people need this information that it is. Oh, yes. They need to be like, yes, obviously, like everything, having an autoimmune disease is hard. But the thing with me is that I don't show that side to my extended family. So they only see me at parties or anything and they see me well with makeup and stuff. But it is hard, but it's nothing that you can't overcome. I'm a firm believer that God doesn't send anything to someone who can't handle it. If I can handle it, amen. (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. I totally agree. Like we are given these huge tasks because we are meant to carry that torch and light the way for others in whatever ways we can. And this, the talks, everything that you're doing is so needed today. I wish I would have had this when I was younger because of the same reason that my mom didn't want me to know the specific um, illness I had. She kind of, she would tell me it was something serious, but she wouldn't tell me the name of it. So like I couldn't research anything or I looked up autoimmune diseases. No one like today are like promoting their illness, but they're so empowering and it's so amazing to look up to people like that. Absolutely. So I noticed um, in my family, because again, no, the same, nobody was talking about autoimmune. And anytime I went to start to look, it would devastate me. Looking in the future, what would happen to my bones, the deformities that would come. So rheumatoid arthritis is the one with the, the bone deformities that start to happen over time. It used to scare me. And I become discouraged. I didn't feel like, like, wow, what am I doing every day? Like, if I'm just living to be miserable, like I started to think like that when I was younger, the more I started to share my story, that was the empowering piece. Absolutely. And in my family, nobody was talking just like, like we weren't talking about it. But the more I started to be, I was open 
And the more research we did, I started to uncover that autoimmune was in our family, but it was popping up in different forms for people. But because nobody was really talking about it, that it started the conversation, which was it's needed. You know, now it's we're way more open. Now we can connect those dots and help one another with what we're going through. And so, yeah, different forms of autoimmune were popping up in my family, but just nobody was talking about it until it hit me. Yeah. On my side of the family, more people like like your story, they started popping up with autoimmune diseases, even though autoimmune is not hereditary, but I feel like it has something to do with passing it down because right. crazy just it how does. much people have it. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, then again, it's if we look at how foods have changed and, and um, just our habits have changed over time, it's becoming more and more relevance solving together some way or another something is is linking it and I know in our bodies there's a trigger moment when your first onset happens there was something triggering well at least in my experience what my doctor has told me that that when I woke up with my knee swollen and I couldn't move there was some leading up to that something that was leading up to that that triggered the first onset so it's like we probably have it for X amount of time before we're realizing like, here it is, like something triggers some high stress situation, or there's some triggering factor that initiates that first onset. I have learned that. Yeah. My, um, so when I was younger, my parents, they took me all over the world. Like they took me to Mexico a few times because I don't think like them when, you know, as I started getting older, as I started understanding and started to hear like bits and pieces. I Googled it and I started crying one day just because I saw like how scary it was. And you know, Google, it always yeah. tells you you're gonna die. Thank you, like, WebMD. Yes, <laughs> I don't know why I thought I could trust this website, but I did. And I remember crying so much that I, I feel like my parents wanted to know or get a second opinion. And my parents being Mexican, they didn't believe in medication like they did in natural medicine. And I feel like, you know, my autoimmune probably it triggered over the last years because I'm at that age where like I can actually look up, I can connect with people that have something similar. And I know autoimmune disease is different for everyone. But when you Google the vast majority, you know, it's really devastating. And, and I think it's always going to be hard to look at that. But if you can live your life and just say, you know what, I'm well today. <laughs> Who knows right. tomorrow? Right. Absolutely. I completely agree. It is. It can be devastating it can, when we're focused, when our focus is only on what could happen or when we start to get certain um when we're told this isn't going to happen for you, or this isn't going to happen for you along your journey from different doctors. I've had many, 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 many doctors, many prescriptions as we were trying to figure out. It wasn't until I want to say, technically, I didn't even qualify for the medication I take today. I do Embrel. I am on a biologic. I do the once a week injection Embrel. And, um, but it, I didn't qualify for that forever. I couldn't afford $4,000 a month for four injections, you know, for a one month supply. I just, yeah. I couldn't do that, especially, uh, when I couldn't work, 
I, I felt like my bone, my body was slowly deteriorating and, um, yeah, I just couldn't do that. So for the longest time, I was just masking everything. I was trying to just survive that survival mode was, was it for me to make it through. And then, okay, this is how my SmackDown came. Mm -hmm. This is where my transition came in. So I worked as much as I could. So I came out of my wheelchair. I was in and out over the years. Mm -hmm. It just depended on how I felt throughout my, if I could even walk either on my feet or with my hip not being locked, um, that, that determined if I would needed to stay in my wheelchair or get out. So I had those moments where I was able to get up. So during the good times, I worked for a little while there, the beastly heart (laughs) I have and my mind wants to go, go, go. And my body would, you know, want to take a nap, yeah. <laughs> like you said, you know, <laughs> like my body wants to take a nap. And I didn't listen for a very long time. So at the age of 23, I was smacked down by the universe. I could barely walk on my feet. It felt like I was walking on rocks. That's how bad, like the deformities were starting to form in my toes. And it hurt so, so bad. I remember by the time I became physically disabled. So I became physically disabled at 23. I could no longer work and um, put me on permanent disability. And then came all these series of surgeries where they slowly started to reset the bones in my feet. But leading up to that point, I was told, you're not going to have kids. Your body is going to be this way by the time you're 30 you know, uh, locked and you're going to permanently be in a wheelchair by the time you're 30. Um, I was told many things along the way and that started to weigh heavy on my mind, my heart, my emotional body. And we don't think of all of that, but that was adding so much to the stress I was dealing with. It was adding so much to the way I felt physically. It just was adding up, starting to stack in my body. So once I was going through these surgeries, I was devastated, like point, like seriously, just straight up devastated when I couldn't work. It took me out of the game. I put me on a fixed income. I had to really fight my way back to figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? And luckily I didn't have children, you know, I, it was just me, but that was also heavy for me. Knowing I wanted to be a mom was heavy for me too. I slowly started to get better. So for me, it was from those surgeries, from being down in the darkest places of my mind and my heart, my emotions, when my body, so much pain, they did one leg at a time, but it also turned it around for me because that was my entry into alternative medicine, into natural healing, into natural things that were going to start to help me move through what I was uh, taking on on a daily. So there came the meditation and in came yoga. I was even connected with um, the Compassionate Use Act. So in California, the medical marijuana community, like just to slowly start to take um, other medications that weren't opiates, you know, Mm -hmm. to improve the quality of my life. And I was so scared to jump into that, but it was what actually helped me start to slow down and to tune in to start to live for me and what I needed. That's beautiful. I love the way that you said that to live for me. Yeah. And I remember even my rheumatologist, she had, because I've been with her for like 20 years now, but she had mentioned then was Marilyn, whatever you need to do to improve the quality of your life. I am all for I was nervous. I was nervous to even, uh, I didn't even smoke weed in high school. I wasn't that person, you know? So I was, I was just nervous. 
And I felt like people were going to judge me or shame me in some way for doing what I know I needed to do. The medications they sent me home when I had my surgeries, it was horrible. I felt like a zombie. I felt like, uh, like I couldn't, I was throwing up from it. So it was hurting my leg even more. Like it was that extreme. So the cannabis industry turned my life around. It gave me something different. The meditation, the yoga, those things I started to keep consistent. And this is what opened my mind up into like, I'm a Reiki master. So learning our energy and energetic body, emotional body, that was the next avenue I took. I was ready to figure out a new way forward because what I had done, obviously <laughs> working myself, you know, down to the ground, it didn't work. But for me, it hit my full body head to toe on both sides. So I had a very severe case. I know that it's different for everybody, but how was that being wheelchair bound at, in your early twenties? Because that's what I'm going through. Yeah, it was, it was hard. It was a hard pill to swallow, especially when you see though your peers, you know, making these certain moves that you, you thought were going to be yours too. And you just can't, you know, or you need to do it differently. Um, it was devastating, but from that devastation came a whole lot of strength, came a whole lot of passion and compassion, came a whole lot of empathy. I even started to volunteer with the cannabis community. So I was able to see others who were just like me dealing with some extreme pain and they were finding their, their relief from this plant. And I was able to start sharing my story that way and share the trials and the tribulations, the heartache, the, the everything, but also the light, you know, like we can do this. We're stronger together. And there are many, many ways that we can all start to move forward. Oh, yes. And I realized the same thing with me when she was in the pageant. She had to do a lot of volunteer. That was my motivation because at that age, I had just had a stroke. So I was really down. She pushed me to go out and share my story with these strangers. And that's as well as when I learned I love to share. Yeah, it's like there's healing in the story. There's so much power in our personal stories especially within this community. And we see that we're not as alone as we thought we were. So something that I would like to talk about, and I think it has a lot to do with why we're so confident is probably the support system. So how yeah. was that for you? So I come from um, a huge, we're Mexican-American, huge family. And that was everything because my mom needed to work. She's, she was with Santa Clara County for like over 40 years. She had to show up there and her, thank God her boss was so flexible and understood what we were going through, you know, as best she could, but she was open to whatever we needed to do. Mm -hmm. So there was always my feels and my theas and my cousins, like we all lived together at one point. And so I had a lot of support in that way. I was the only one going through it. So even though there was so much support around us, it felt very lonely at times because it was only me dealing yeah. with uh, a lot of that. We would be, <laughs> we would ride down the street in my wheelchair, like all of us are holding on. I had a, I had like this jet wheelchair for a long time too. And it's just, so they made it. They, I, I was still able to be a kid with my cousins, yeah. you know, we, we made it happen. Um, but support crazy. systems, yes, they're highly, they're so, so important. And today I have a, uh, the same, the same type of support, more so from a, a solid group of my sisters and from my husband. And so support comes in that form today, but it's so needed. And our community, 
our community oh, is another. Gosh. Yes. Looking back now, I'm like, why did I hide it from my like family? Because I realized how important it is to get the family support. But at the same time, what was it going to help if I was always sad and I didn't accept myself? Because I didn't want to portray that negative energy out. So I think that until I became 100% okay, if I needed to show up in a family party in a wheelchair, I was comfortable to do so. Right. And, and now that I see like how supportive they are, I think half of it has to do with how confident I am about myself. They don't feel bad for me. Like they don't, they tell me I'm so proud of you. You're so young and doing this. And all my feels yeah. are okay with me because I always say like, um, that I don't want to get married or that it's not in my plans. Then again, I'm 24, right? right. Yes. <laughs> my mom's always like, ya que lo conozcas. Like once you meet your right husband and stuff, she's like, you're <laughs> going to fall in love. Vas a ver. Everyone, so, and all my feels are like, ni, ni piensas que te vas a casar. Like, we'll do you a house. I love it that they're okay <laughs> with that because I know that's not the traditional Mexican culture. Right. Oh, were they trying to uh, marry you off by the traditional standards? You need to be married by this age and have X amount of children and live right here down the block and everybody's coming over every Sunday. Yes. <laughs> As a young child, that's what they would do. But I think once I told them that marriage is not in my plans, they're like, okay, we'll build you a house. And so I think that really helps is like taking your illness as a joke. Like, yes, it is life and it is going to be hard, but you have to laugh at it. I love that. Our, so this is huge. And I, this is something I also, I'm always telling my clients and it doesn't have to, this is for all of us. You know, the narrative that we have running and cycling in our mind plays a huge role in what we're doing and what's manifesting in our physical environment and how we're feeling uh, physically. Absolutely, it does. It, even the words that cross our lips, they're super powerful. So the moment I started to recognize that and slow it down to replace the negative or the disempowering thoughts and words with empowering ones, mm -hmm. and, and I can do this. And it may not be done like everybody else is doing it, but this is my way. And showing that and showing up for yourself and just moving forward, it's such a, a huge light for people. Like I too, I get told all the time, like, man, you're just, you're a light. You give light. You show me that there's other ways to do this. You show me that anything is possible. And that feels so good that I can, I can help others recognize that you know, not, it's not all doomsday, you know, no matter what cards were dealt, the narrative that we're playing in our minds and the ones that are crossing our lips, they're huge. So use intention and speak love and light into your days, into your dealings, into your family members, your community, because that multiplies. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing when you start to recognize that. I'm a firm believer that, yeah, like you don't want to fill your mind with negative thoughts. I believe that if um, you have rare, strong pain, you can control it with your mind first, of course, with pain medicine and everything. But I think that it first starts in your mind and then that energy travels. So yeah. until I learned to kind of 
kind of control my pain and the stuff that I was going to have pain either way. But I think that until I learned to control it, when they ask you scale of one to 10, I'm always like 5.5. It's just like, it's a normal every day. I don't know how to explain it, but it doesn't go away. I just learned to get stronger in my mind and and what I'm choosing to hold me down. And it's not pain. Yeah. Having my Instagram, TikTok, I'm constantly busy. And my mom's like, take a break. You deserve it. I'm like, Yes, I do. I will. But I feel like my want is stronger than what I need right now. Because I know that self love, especially in young adults is so hard. And especially if you're diagnosed with a disability. And if you want to be a mom, if you want to get married, and if that's your dream, I know that dating can be hard, at least, at least it was for me at 21. Oh, yes. Like, I know it's not easy. And so I feel like you have to want to do something and you're like, okay, I'm sick, but I can still do stuff when I can. (laughs) And I feel like that's the only thing like keeping me still doing this. Yeah, I absolutely felt when I was younger, Mm -hmm. the same, like, I'm never going to have a boyfriend. Uh, You know, they're not going to, I'm never going to have children. Well, not only were the doctors telling me that because of the medications I was taking, they were so potent. They were saying that mm, you, this may not be happening for you, you know? So those really start to affect you in some way. And you think that, you know, no one is going to love me. They don't want to take care of somebody all the rest of their life. I really held on to those for the longest time. And I had to finally start to crush all of those limiting beliefs. It wasn't until I finally started to grab a hold of me, like just myself not even worried about this guy's going to like me or this person or whatever the case, I'm not going to have that, but really just pouring into me, figuring out what I needed, what I loved, things that brought me joy. That's how I started to unpack a lot of that. And then came all, I had just as many uh, loser boyfriends as I did the good ones, you know? (laughs) So those real life experiences were starting to happen, you know, like (laughs) it was pretty normal when I started to just get out of my own way, get out of your head, Marilyn. Yeah, it was it was a lot of that. Yeah, we're our own worst critics. Like if you want, you can talk that to yourself all day long. But I changed those negative words into positive ones. Like instead of saying, Oh, my gosh, your skin's so tight. I just say I'm glad I woke up today. Because I don't think people realize the small little thing that you can be grateful for every single day. And I feel like if you start your day being grateful, I'm alive today. Yes, I have pain, but it's tolerable. That's what made me want to really live my life, even after a stroke. Yes. So again, when they're telling you all no, no, no's, you're really thinking all of those no's are true. And they're not, you know, doctors are giving you their best educated guess. And that's their job is their best educated guess. It's not to end all be all. They have all the answers. And what really started to let me know that that was facts, that they don't have all the answers. They can only tell you, you know, their best educated guess is when I had children, when I became pregnant with my son and he's about to be 13. Uh, He's a Scorpio. Uh, He'll be 13. No, I know. I remember (laughs) you were. (laughs) And that started to really let me know that I can do anything. I got this. You know, it may be no down the way, but I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm not going to let that hold me back from trying to just, let's see what happens. You know, let's see how we're going to move through this. And I was scared becoming pregnant. I really was because 
because of all the stories I was told along the way that, you know, this medication or that medication is going to do this. And so I was scared, but I, I walked forward every single day. I got up, I ate the best and I fed my mind what I needed to feed it, like positivity and forward words and motion, those, those motivating phrases that we need to keep close to our heart when we're feeling like everything's holding us down. That's what helped me see that I, I did become a mom and then I became a mom again. So I have two beautiful children. My son will be 13 and my daughter will be 11 in March. And, uh, and that was it for me. For me, they also started to shift my game once again. Not only was it me, universe smacking me down, all these surgeries, losing my, my job and going permanently disabled, having to figure out my finances. This is also another area I'm able to help my clients because I had to figure that out. I had to get down, deep down to the ground with nothing and learn to live on a fixed income. But not only that, then start to add children on that fixed income. I was able to really figure money out. And it's something I didn't even think of, you know, as I was developing this, uh, my businesses, but these are huge. These are huge in today or, or I see a lot of people suffering. And it's something I just had to learn from circumstance, not even because that was my field of study. It was because of life circumstances and like, man, figure this out now, Marilyn, because you're going to one day help people figure their stuff out. And, and that's just, it's this beautiful full circle of, wow, you know, where we're, we're making it through all these lessons and here it comes. Like this is where now you can show others how to do this for themselves. Wow. That's so beautiful. And, and I really wish that I would have had someone like you, you know, at 18, because at that point, like you feel lost and yes, you have to figure stuff out because at least for me, I want to be as independent as I can, you know, hearing those words, you're permanently disabled. You have this fixed income. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like, do I want to work? But do I also want Medicaid? <laughs> like, that's oh. all, that's all a struggle for me. Or it was at such a very yeah. young age, you're learning, you don't only have to, you know, worry about your sickness and doctor appointments, but now you have to worry about becoming an adult, <laughs> getting yep. your finances. And it's just all part of life, right? It is. It's all part of life. So it's huge. So today I'm teaching people how to, so I'm also an astrologer. <laughs> so I, I really went deep into my spiritual studies because that brings me joy and passion. Like the spiritual part of, of, of what we're dealing with on a daily was huge in my shift of, you know, not only gratitude, but God's got me and, you know, the universe is looking out for me and things are lining up for a specific reason. Like you sitting in this chair now spreading this love to so many and now me also using my trials and tribulations growing up with 30 years of autoimmune to now pay it forward, man. So I help, I help entrepreneurs use astrology to really find that fulfillment find what's bringing them joy and fulfillment. And I also, you know, I'm a Reiki master. I've just learned to use these tools in a way that helps others finally um, break through the heaviness. And then on, on another end, I'm also helping them figure out those who have uh, how to make and save money in a nutshell, how to make and save money and really start to plan for your future. Things that we think are ripped away, not having a retirement, not having an emergency fund, not having those things in place that are so needed today. You know, that is also, I'm teaching the personal, the basics of personal finance. 
to help people in that way too. I'm so glad that, I mean, it sounds like you love what you do because you want to pay it forward and you were there. You were a person who was struggling with all that and you figured it out. And so I'll be sure to leave all your information down below. And let me just say, you have this light that portrays outside of the screen. Beautiful. So I'll leave all your information down below. And I want to thank you so much for joining me on Self Love Sister Podcast. Thank you so much. You're so beautiful. I love you to pieces. I think what the work you're doing is so needed and, and you are appreciated and may you be blessed a thousand times over. Thank oh my you. gosh. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And this is your self-love sister, Kimberly and Marilyn. Have a great day, guys.